Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Taking you up until 6 o'clock tonight, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Talking a little Knicks after the uh, relief <laughs> of uh, beating the Pistons last night as they uh, will take on the uh, Thunder tomorrow. And, and look, this is... It's only six. Excuse me. It's only twelve games. They're six and six on the season. But this is, you know, sometimes there's outliers in the season. Of oh boy, this team is playing a whole lot better than I thought they would be. No, this. I think this is kind of what the Knicks are. They're hopefully they're going to be slightly better than what they were uh, last season. Hopefully, because if that's the case, well then then you might be able to to talk about the failures of the year. But if they are slightly better than they were last year and either part of the play-in or playing significant games down the stretch of the season, I don't know, man. I just get the feeling like this regime, they're okay with that. They, they want to they wanna establish more credibility than, they were, than there was here before they got here. But there's no big ex- – like if you're a Knicks fan, it's like we got to win a championship. How are we going to – they're nowhere close to that. And I don't even know that that's the goal at this point. Maybe somewhere down the road it will be. But it ain't on the on the list or, or objectives right now. And there's two other things that I want to get to before we get to the phones at 1-800-919-ESPN. The, the Nick fan base, the por- portion of the Nick fan base is like, well, you know what? We obviously, we should have gotten Donovan Mitchell. We should have done whatever we needed to do to get Donovan Mitchell. We should have included R.J. Barrett. We should have included all the picks. Donovan Mitchell is a far better player than we have on this roster. I mean, again... I think that you would still be kind of where you are. Now, you'd be a little less mid. I think you might be a little closer to play-in. You'd be a little bit out of the middle more. But then you'd also be a lot more locked in to what you are at that point, right? If you take out all the, all, all the picks and, 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 and take pieces off the roster that you have right now, um, I don't know that you're all that – it doesn't – I don't think that that – you can't look at what Donovan Mitchell is doing in Cleveland and just all of a sudden pick him off that team and put him on your team and think that it would be the exact same thing. Cleveland was a better roster to put him on, and it's a better roster than you have right now. You still have to go about building as much as you can and, and I guess kind of waiting for the next actual superstar to become available and hope that the package you, you have to offer at that point – is more appealing than the package you had to offer for Donovan Mitchell. I don't, I don't look at the Mitchell non-trade as this giant missed opportunity, this big sliding door moment where, oh, the Knicks could have been a top four seed if they just had put what they had to put in the middle of the table and, and bet on Donovan Mitchell. I think you'd be a little bit better, like you're a little bit better right now with Jalen Brunson, but I don't know that it's just, I, I don't think that it would, I mean, you kind of are what you are. And, and this is, until you, dramatically change the, the 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 list of ingredients that you're putting into the meal the meal is going to kind of be the same the meal is going to kind of be the same the other thing about the nick fan base that uh, I, I think is is completely misguided is that this idea oh you know what tibbs he could be in real trouble this year he, he he's going to be on the hot seat this year it's it's time to make a change and and look the, given the the history of tibbs you know maybe that that, that kind of that kind of approach does start to wear after a while. And, and year three, it might be that. I just don't see it with this next year. Uh, th- this team this year, um, if they were, if they turn out to just miss like the play-in this year, I, I just don't look at the Knicks organization as having some high expectations 
of we got to do this, we got to do that. There is no mandate. There is no you got to make the playoffs this year, we got to be this this year, we got to be above 500. I think they'd like to be, but I don't see them, again, What it's about establishing credibility and establishing a foundation, and I don't think you do that by firing the coach if expectations are being met to IT. You have to kind of get, get an idea of what do you think the Knicks' expectations are for this year. And I think playing meaningful games down the stretch of the season, being close to a play-in team, I think that's the expectation. And until somebody from the organization tells you otherwise, that oh, we definitely have an expectation, we have to make the playoffs this year, um, and they don't talk to the media, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, unless that happens, I, I can't believe that they have the this, oh, we got to do this, we got to do that. They want credibility. They want to found it. They don't want to be a disaster. And with what they have done, even though it's not been great, hasn't they haven't obviously uh, lifted yourself up to where you're like, all right, the Knicks are on a path to this or a path to that. You had the first great year. You had a major setback last year, which I think that's more in line with what the Knicks kind of are. If you can be above that this year and be a little closer to the play, I think that they would sign for that. You could argue that that is progress from where they came into and where they took over. Again, they, they averaged, in I think the six seasons before they came on board, this new regime, I think the Knicks averaged like 23 wins a year. They're clearly going to be better than that this year. How much better? Remains to be seen. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Uh, coming up, we'll get into the Nets a little bit. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Sal is in Patterson. Sal, you're first up on the Gordon Damer Show. Gordon, how are you hey, doing? Sal. I'm good. What's going uh, on, Sal? It's, uh, I'm going back two weeks to the New England game. The third Wilson interception. McGordy was clearly, both his legs were completely past the line. He caught the ball in bounds. Is there different rules for defense and offense? I mean, it, nobody said anything. Wait a second. What, 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 what's, what's your point? That Wilson was beyond the line of scrimmage when he threw it? No, McCordy was out of bounds. Oh, McCordy was out of bounds. Both his knees well, look, I mean, they did look, they did look at it. I'll be honest with you, Sal. Line. Yeah, I mean, when, when the play happened at the time, it did seem like the left leg was on the, the, uh, on the out-of-bounds line. Uh, but they did review it. And I guess that there was nothing that they said that the commentators nobody said nothing. Oh no, they they mentioned it. They mentioned it at the time, uh, and they did show another replay that kind of made it. Now the only thing that I couldn't tell was like maybe the 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 one side of his leg came down inbounds before the other side, but it did seem like he was out of bounds. But they do review all those turnovers, and I guess there was nothing egregious in it um, it that told you that he was out of bounds. I I, I couldn't believe it. I finally. Got to got a chance to call about it. It's one of the idiots. You're so you're so upset about it. Even two weeks later, even after a win against the Bills, you're still ticked off. St- still ticked off about it. It would have mattered in the outcome of the game, but still. You know? Yeah, I, I get it. Uh, and look, the officiating, Sal, and thanks for the phone call. The officiating this year in the NFL, like it is most years, um, it's it's not great. And, and pass interference is one. Uh, roughing the passer is another. The thing with the the, the replay. And it should be this way in all sports. How do they sell you replay when they first bring it in? It's here to fix the egregious call. Every replay in every sport should be, we look at it for 60 seconds. As soon as the guy gets to the iPad, as soon as he gets to the monitor, they should start a clock. 
If it's a guy back in an office someplace, start a clock. As soon, all right, we're starting it now. And you can replay it as many times as you want in those 60 seconds. If you can't for sure say in 60 seconds, that's an egregious call. We completely blew that call. We have to overturn that call immediately. Well, then the call stands. And I don't care. Unfortunately, you know what the problem is? All of us. We're all the problem because after the game is over, some guy on Twitter will go down and slow it down to a fr minuscule, a, a, a fraction of a second like the Zaputer film and say, no, no, see, see, his knee was actually not down at that point. Oh, this is an outrage. Again, it's, it, we were never promised, nor should we be promised, perfectly officiated games. The replay is not there to give you every perfect call 100% of the time it's to fix the egregious calls. And I would agree with you, that call a couple of weeks ago, it did look like McCourty was out of bounds when he, when he came down with the pick. But they took a look at it. And, and again, maybe part of it was that there was no perfect angle of it. It was that angle like head-on um, that was kind of tilted at the side as well to the left-hand side of watching him make that pick. So if there's no... Uh, if, there, if it's not an egregious call, if it's not clear, when you take a look at that replay once or twice and you can't tell right away, you know what, that's a, that's a blown call, his foot was out of bounds, he was in bounds, he was this, he was that, then I think that you have to, you have to live with the results. And that's the problem, is now we want to, it, it goes in all these ways that is ridiculous. Like with the baseball, like nobody said, you know what we need replay for? We need replay to make sure that the guy who was stealing second base, that his foot doesn't come off the base for even a single split second. But unfortunately, a lot of times, that's what they're using replay for. Hey, the guy sliding into second base, did he pop up just a little bit too much and lose contact with the bag and the defender just held the, the glove on him? But that's what it's being used for. It's there to fix the egregious call. And unfortunately, that's never the way it goes. It's, it's not to just fix the egregious call. At some point along the way, I'm not sure where it happens, but then we just expect every single call to be right 100% of the time. And if you're, if you're going to do that, if that's the goal, games are going to take a week and a half. And I don't really want – I love, as much as I love the games, I don't really want the games to take a week and a half. So I get what you're saying about the call on that, that interception. It did kind of seem like he was out of bounds, but you know what? There's more than enough plays to make up for that. And in that week, Zach Wilson was not able to make up for that. But that, he is, that's the thing. I, I mentioned it in the open. That doesn't matter. You beat the Bills. That game goes away off the, off the side of the boat at that point. You don't have to worry about that game anymore. Jet, fan, Jet fans have forgotten about that game. They beat the Bills, and now they could beat anybody. Now they're going to the playoffs. And if they come back and, and off the bye and they beat the Patriots in two weeks, oh, my God they will have to start planning out the Super Bowl route. They will have to figure out where the barricades are going, where the cards are going, who's going to be on each float. And if they don't win that game, if for somehow, you know, the Patriots are again able to beat the Jets in a couple of weeks, well, then everybody should be fired. You're going you're gonna to have to get rid of the quarterback. This, is, this was always a problem. That was always a problem. The injuries, it's just too much to overcome. It's very, it's very up and down. It's very um, schizophrenic. I don't know if that's the right word. I don't know if that's the right, <laughs> the right use of the term schizophrenic. It seems manic. I think manic might be the right. It's very high. It's ve the highs are high and the lows are low. And, and no better example of that than the last two weeks. I mean, just go back 
Just do a Google search. Just do a Google search of Jets Patriots headlines. Oh my God, it was, you know, they picked the wrong guy. The quarterback, we're going to have to change the quarterback. This quarterback cannot continue to make these same mistakes. Maybe we should bring in Joe Flacco. Mike White calls, you know, and then beat the Bills. This defense is the best in the NFL. Man, the skill, the job that Joe Douglas has done, Robert Salas, the coach of the year, it's, uh, it's very high and low, very high and low. Ira is in Staten Island. Ira, you're next up on uh, the Gordon Damer Show. Do we have Ira? Ira, are you there? Hey, what's happening, there Gordon? What's going on? How are you, Ira? Good, what's happening? So uh, before, I get, before I get to the Jet stuff, and I'm sure you're going to have moving interest too, all of a sudden, for the first time in 10 years, basically, I have interest because I don't gamble in other NFL games because my <laughs> team is relevant. I yeah, mean, I couldn't care if the Bills right? lost, if the Dolphins won. It didn't matter to me because we, all I cared was draft position. So yeah. I'm glued into this Viking Bills game. And, you know, listen, the Bills are still, you know, one of the top two teams in AFC, you know. But without Josh Allen, that's a different offense. Casey Keenum, the Bills can't run the ball. And all of a sudden, they're not going to flip the, flip the switch and start having a 150-yard running game tomorrow because Casey Keenum's a quarterback. So I think the Vikings have a realistic shot of beating them. And how sweet would that be going next week? You know, you're probably going to beat the Browns tomorrow. You got the Dolphins and Jets, and, and pretty much everybody's lockstep right in first place. And then the Jets are going up to Foxborough, who I actually – I, I think they're going to win up there next. I think they're going to finally get the monkey off the back, beat the Pats. But I'm going to hold my breath here because you know what the way the NFL is. There's always a letdown game. And I don't want to look too far ahead, but that bad game really scares me. They, they beat the Bills. They go up to Foxborough. They finally beat Demons up there. And then they come home, and I could see them coming up short against the Bears. I see. All right. Well, look, Ira, I mean, it is – I will say this. Having the Jets be relevant, even though I'm a Dolphin fan, is far better for my professional life than analyzing who's going where in the NFL draft four months away from the NFL draft. Well, you know what would be great? If I call you the week after New Year's and the Jets or Dolphins are playing for a win and you're in or a win and there's a division, I mean, that's a little far-fetched. But for both teams to play and winning, you're in the playoffs. And that would be a great matchup in the last week of the season. Uh, it would not be good for my nerves, Ira, but I, I hear professionally it would be good for the station and it would be good for, uh, obviously, the Jets and everything else. Ira, thanks for the phone call. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, it, it certainly beats the alternative. I mean, usually this time of year we're looking, uh, the Giants might have the fifth pick, the Jets might have the seventh pick. This certainly beats that. This certainly beats that. Um, I, I do not have uh, – I'll save the picks for later on, and our picks have been, uh, I mean, as accurate, more accurate than anybody anywhere. Uh, I do not have a high level. This is going to shock you if you're a regular listener. I do not have a high level of confidence that the Dolphins will beat the Browns on Sunday. Mike is in Plainview. Mike, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. All right. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to talk about, you know, the manicness you say of the Jet fan. It's enthusiasm. We've been down for so long, since yeah. 2010. We haven't had anything to cheer about. And finally, we have a small semblance of some sort of success. So we're enthusiastic about it. Look, we know the Jets are a limited team. Um, I think offensively the quarterback is, is – I'm not convinced. Even though I'm a lifelong Jet fan, I'm not convinced. 
Um, we have our weaknesses. We go into the Super Bowl now. But, yeah, we have every right to, to party and enjoy these Jets at this point. Yeah. Are you kidding? The last time we enjoy, had Enjoy, absolutely. You know, no, the, Mike, I, enjoy the win. That was a great win on Sunday, a home win against a team that, you know, nobody was giving you much of a chance to, uh, to beat. I mean, what was it, 12-point spread, 12-and-a-half, whatever. No, that's fair. And you saying that the Jets are a limited team, um, that is, is not what you are generally, at least not what I'm generally hearing. I'm hearing that the Jets now, I mean, Dan Orlovsky was on the K-Show the other day, said the Jets can beat any team in the NFL right now. Well, that's because he's talking about the defense holding them. But I am a realistic Jet fan. I've seen so much of it. Our quarterback, the best he can do, and everybody's raving, the best this guy can do right now is just not turn the ball over. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's earning raves from people. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. You know, yeah. it, it, well, does I mean, he impress you? Because he's not uh, impressing me. No, I mean, look, uh, and Mike, thanks for the phone call. He, he's not been impressive, uh, you'd have to say. And I think The Athletic had a very good article about how, if you really want to be concerned, you really want to start asking some scary questions like the issues that he had in college. Uh, are the issues that he has had in the pros. If you put pressure on him, he he wilts. And it's not just like any quarterback, young quarterback. You put pressure on him, he's, he's not going to be as good. Uh, he he the, the drop-off, the, uh, the the floor from for what the expectations can be, uh, they really kind of – it's it's the sub-basement. It's not even the basement. It's like – it's, it's even below that. So, uh, I, look, but you saw what the game plan is. You know, some teams – have a wide range of ways that they can beat you. The Jets are not at that stage yet because their quarterback's in his second year, but they do have a path to victory, and the path of victory is what you saw on Sunday. The defense has to be the linchpin. That has to be the thing that you rely on the most. They have to be able to take whatever offense they're going up against and, and hold them under what they typically do. And if you can, if you can slow down the Bills, you should be kind of able to slow down just about anybody I mean, who who would you say is are the Eagles maybe and uh, the Chiefs? Th- those might be the only offenses that you would say are even on the level of the Bills. So if you're able to limit the Bills' offense, you can count on the defense. Then it has to be about the running game, being able to uh, you know establish what you can do offensively. Hold the defense holds you in the game, the ground game you stick with it. You don't get off balance. You don't get off script like you have at other times this year where you fall behind by three or seven points, and all of a sudden you start throwing the ball all over the field. You don't throw the ball 40 times and run the ball 13. And then the quarterback has to make a play here or a play there. You're winning with him, but you're not winning generally because of him. And that's that's generally how teams that are in the spot that the Jets are in right now with the defense playing what it is, that's how you that's your path to victory. And you got to stick to that path. You can't go out there and expect to win by throw, you know, you're not basing your game plan on the opponent. You're basing your game plan on what you do, and what you do, what you do well, you can do really well. But you you don't have a wide range of options on the things that you can do well. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Coming up, more of your phone calls. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is ninety eight point seven FM ESPN New York. You can't miss a moment with. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Amazing what a couple of weeks will do. Forget a couple of weeks, one week. Do we, do, do you keep the promos, Jacob? Do we still have the promos from the week before when they lost to the Patriots? Do we still have those in the system somewhere? I don't think so, but I no, can check No, we erase those. We erase those tapes immediately. 
It's amazing. I'm pretty Obviously. sure just like us, we keep. I mean, just like Salah, we keep receipts. So do, it has to be do, here. I mean, do we have the receipts someplace? Maybe you got to go like walk the archives, walk the catacombs <laughs> of the 98.7 uh, archives, and 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 dig those up. Now, do you think uh, we delete things once we find out we're absolutely wrong? Well, you should. If you know you're absolutely wrong, absolutely, you should. You should get rid of the get rid of the evidence right away. Of course, but it does. I, I mean, I, I don't know. And I, I love Greeny, but Robert Sala is the coach of the year. He's not even the best coach in his own town. This is not to say Robert Sala hasn't done a good job. He has done a good job. He's got things turned around, and the defense is a big part, the biggest part of it. And he's he's the guy on the defense as part of it. Sure, of course, but. I mean, come on. If we're talking coach of the year right now, well, unfortunately, betting-wise, Nick Sirianni, last check, I haven't checked in in a couple of days. I'm not a degenerate people. Uh, but I haven't checked in in a couple of days. But uh, I, I think Nick Sirianni, until the Eagles lose a game, he is the odds-on favorite, I think, to be coach of the year. But if you take him out, let's say the Eagles lose at some point, we're just talking about the coach who has done the most with the least. I don't even think it's close. The job that, that Brian Dable has done with the Giants. I mean, did anybody anywhere think that the Giants were going to be... Again, the Jets have done a nice job, but the Jets have talent. They've been picking in the top five for, what, the last seven years? Sometimes multiple times a year. They have lots of talent. The Giants are not that talented of a team. They're not that talented of a group, either on offense or defense. The hard work for the Giants is still to come after this season, building a roster, building up the talent base. And they've been bad for five years, too. And, and, and they've had somebody picking the players who, who did a terrible job. By all accounts. Everybody's in agree. Even in this society where we're all at each other's throats about it, everything's debatable. There's two sides to every story. There's not two sides to the Gettleman story. There's, there's one side. And it's, and it's clear. So I, I'm sorry, but no, Robert Sala is not the coach of the year. He's not even the coach of the year in his own town. And I would think if you're just opening it up, and again, as I said, I haven't looked at the odds here recently. I'd have to think that Pete Carroll's pretty high up on that list, too, with what he's been able to do in Seattle, turning around a defense that the first month of the year looked like the worst defense in the sport. And now, all of a sudden, they're making plays. They're, they're, they're shutting people down. Now, they've not had the greatest schedule in the world. I'll grant you that. But you can only play who you're going to play. We haven't, we haven't, you know, we're not hitting the Giants for, oh, you only can, you know, who, who have you played, right? I mean, you know, anybody can only play who you have on the schedule. So I would think that if you're talking about coach of the year, I don't think that Robert Sala is uh, high up on that list just yet. Now, again, there's still a half a season left to go. Ma who knows? Maybe, maybe uh, you know, the Giants drop off. Maybe the, the Eagles lose a couple of games. Maybe the Giants hand the Eagles one of their losses. Who knows? And the Jets keep it's upward, onward and upward, as they say, right? Maybe that's the case. But right now, at this moment, no, it doesn't feel like uh, doesn't feel like Robert Sala is uh, has done the best job in his own city so far, in his own stadium so far. And again, that's not to say he hasn't done a good job. Clearly, he has. Jets, Jets and Giants are both. It would be almost an upset at this point if they don't go to the playoffs. You'd have to say it's, it would almost be an upset. Now, for the Jets, it's a little dodgier because there are more teams in the AFC that at least you could envision making a little bit of a run, whereas the NFC, there's, I mean, there's seven spots, there's seven teams. If you're looking for an eighth team right now, it would have to be like Washington. 
or it'd have to be the Rams. Certainly not going to be anybody from the NFC South outside of the team that wins the division. It will end there. We can pretty much say that for sure. But in the, uh, in the AFC, at least there's some teams that you could at least, you know, I think there's like nine teams that you would say for, for seven spots. The four teams in the AFC East, clearly. Uh, then you'd have uh, in the North, you'd say the Ravens, the Bengals. They, the, I mean, the Bengals are f- uh, five and four. Um, the Titans in the South, that would be the only team there. The West, you'd think the Chiefs and maybe the Chargers. Chargers are five and three, even though uh, it doesn't feel like they are trending in the right direction, even at five and three with all the injuries. And then I guess maybe you might be able to make the argument that the Browns might be able to kind of get in the mix if they can win another couple of games here before Deshaun Watson comes back. But that's that's eight, nine teams, maybe ten teams right there, right? Uh, four in the east, two in the west, two or three in the north, and, and one in the south. So, uh, But, again, uh, that's to, to put too fine a point on it. Jets – this this year should be a, if this does not end in a playoff appearance at the very least, this will be a, a disappointing year for the Jets. I don't think that anybody can really can really argue that. One eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We were talking about the Knicks there before. I did want to mention one thing about the Nets and not to go down the road that we've gone down here the last week or so about uh, Kyrie Irving. I think what you've seen here in the last couple of days is it is clear that Kyrie Irving at some point will be back with the Nets. I don't know if it's going to be on their road trip. I don't know if it's shortly after that, somewhere in between. But, you know, when he first was suspended, the questions were, well, has he played his final game? Has he played his final game for the Nets? Has he played his final game in the league? And at that point, it was kind of, I mean, given the the person you're talking about and and the story that you're talking about, it did kind of seem like it it could go anywhere. Uh, but now after you hear the comments of the commissioner, you hear the comments of Joe Sy, the answer to those is no. He's, he's not played his final game in the league, and he's certainly not played his final game for the Nets, and it's only a matter of time before he will be back with, with the club at some point. Um, and, and I think of all the things that they laid out, of the things that he has to do to be able to get back on the team, meeting with the owner was the most important one because he had blown off the owner uh, up until that point, and um, I think now that he's gotten that aside, it, it's, just a, it's just a matter of time before he is back. And we'll see where it goes from there. And two things off of that, whenever he does return. It'll only be a matter of time before there's something else. I mean, there's, there's always, I mean, the Nets, while they're, they're not the, the team in town basketball-wise, they, they never have a, a shortage of, of being able to figure out ways to come up with content for us to talk about. Uh, and I, it's not intentional. Uh, but it's just what happens with the group that they have. So I'm sure that whenever he does get uh, reinstated by the club, whenever he is back playing games, it will only be a matter of time before something else pops up. And you could make the strong argument, and, and the numbers will tell you that it's a strong argument, the Nets might be better off without him. Now, they're not more talented, that's for sure. He's a, certainly a talented player, but it's been pretty well documented at this point. His team's underachieved. The last six years, his teams, whatever the, whatever the expectation is for the team that he is on, those teams do not meet those goals. And I don't think it's a surprise that the Nets have played far better since he has not been there. And I'm not saying that when he comes back, they'll go back to the team that they were before when they were, what were they, two and six or one and five, whatever they were. Um, but 
because they're a more talented team than that. But uh, you know, the idea of of his his um, his presence, uh, it's it, it, living with him and, and playing with him and, and dealing with him. It it takes a toll. It looks like, and it's pretty well documented. Even even in Brooklyn, even with Kevin Durant, you take a look at the numbers of, of Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets when he is there and when he's not there, and they are more successful when he is not there. That's not even up for debate. And when you come to when there's any uh, topic when it involves Kyrie Irving that you can say that's not even up for debate, that's notable. Well, all right, one one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the telephone number one eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Let's go back to the phones. Kevin is in West Orange. Kevin, next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, how you doing? Uh, you had just recently made a comment that the Jets are more talented due to drafting in the top five for the last five years. Really, well, it's longer than that for the talent- Jets. More, yeah, but really, more of the talent is coming from the last two years. This has been a complete re-scrap by Joe Douglas. Mm-hmm. Only four people exist prior to his regime, and Joe Douglas's first draft under Adam Gase was a complete disaster. So really, this roster that maybe is more talented than the Giants was really only built in the last two years with some great drafting and uh, free agency. So I don't yeah. really know if we can go back further than the last two years why the Jets have a more talented roster than the Giants. Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But, I mean, they have been drafting very high up every single year. They uh, have, but those players don't even exist anymore on the roster except for Quinn and Williams. Yeah, but, I mean, Quinn and Williams is a big part of it, isn't he? It was, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, that's that's only one player. Most of the right. most of the core draft is really this, – this year's draft was actually amazing off the charts. You know, everyone's a – rookie of the week it seems like uh from what joe Douglas did with his first four picks so i think over the last two years they've done a fantastic job in the draft and filling in with some key free agents and you know besides quinn and williams as one of the few holdovers from the pre-joe Douglas era you know that's where really the last few years have really vaulted the jets into a more talented position than the giants you know and, and they're two further years ago along. we had they're further along yeah, in the process ago. right the, Gi- the giants are really just yeah, starting well, the process this year whereas the jets are a couple of years into it yeah yeah, and with one big question mark at quarterback, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's where that's where things can change. You know, Joe Douglas could, has done a great job, but we still have the big question mark at quarterback. So uh, hopefully I could say they're a much more talented team next year if Zach progresses, um, but that's still TBA, and I'm hoping he becomes the answer for us frustrated uh, Jeff fans over the years. Yeah, and Kevin, thanks for the phone call. Uh, I mean, the thing with the, the the Jets as well is it's not you're not just talking about two drafts really because you're talking about multiple picks in both of the last two years. So it's almost like it's it's uh, it's heightened over those last two years, right? They had three number one picks this year. What did they have the year before that? Did they have two number one picks that year? Right. They had Vera Tucker the year before. They had Zach Wilson the year before. They had Elijah Moore in the second round the year before. Um, so they've had a lot of high picks here. Uh, the last couple of years, and 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 the year that you said turned out to be a disaster, the the first year. I mean, the, there were plenty of rave reviews at the time when it looked like Beckton was going to be the franchise left tackle, and Mims. When you look at his um, his highlight tape coming in, you thought, oh boy, what a steal of a wide receiver this is at uh, you know in the second round or where I can't remember what pick he was. I think he was late second round. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've done a great job here the last couple of years, kind of overturning the roster and. Um, and that's why they're they're sitting where they are, right? I mean, even with the loss of Vera Tucker um, and and the lack of production from Elijah Moore, uh, between Quinn and Williams, Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, um, Brees Hall before he got hurt, I mean, that's a lot. That's a lot of picks in the last couple of years. 
Uh, back to the phones. Uh, let's go out to Buddha is in the Bronx. Buddha, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Gordon, what's going on, bro? Buddha, how we doing, my man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm listening to you. You know, you know. I, I think you're right about the Knicks, and I think you're a little wrong about the Jets. Okay. Let me tell you why. Now, with the Knicks, obviously, their, their high is going to be 41, 42 wins, maybe. Maybe. And then their low is going to be about 37, 35. Yeah, where they were last year. No? Yeah. Pretty much, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, their problem it's not necessarily the additions that they had. The problem is they're just not able to subtract one person. And obviously that's Julius Randle. was already here. I mean, the whole point with him is he's like, he's a 20 and 10 guy, but it's a, you know, he's like, he's like Tobias Harris. No, Mr. Insignificant. His 20 and 10, if you take him off the team, what are they going to lose? One less game that they, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. You know, they, they, they blew it when they signed him. But the more important thing is nobody has gotten through to him of, this is what we need you to do. You understand what I'm talking about? Like, when you got a resistant player like that, that just messes up everything. You end up getting coached by it at some point. You know what I mean? I, I agree with you a thousand percent. They'd be better off losing more. And even if they didn't get the kid win by armor, you got to get somebody. You know, they don't have any. You need like, transcendent talent in the NBA. Team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and, and from the um, from like the guard position. You understand what I'm talking about? Like, that's the thing. I mean, I like RJ Barrett. He works hard, but that's another problem with him too. Is like. When he gets 20 points or 25 points, you have to work so hard to get it because he's not a great shooter, you know? Mm-hmm. But now with the Jets. With the Jets, now i got to disagree with you in terms of this. You know, there are some Jets fans who are crazy and think that the Jets are Super Bowl bound and things like that. This is but, not just fans. You know, Let me do before you make your point. This is not just fans. This is, I think maybe it's more media, like Jet people in the media as well, like between Greeny and he's a big Jet fan, I know, and – and you hear, uh, you know, Dan Orlovsky on with a K show, and all. I mean, this is this is not just uh, you know the crazy fan that calls in. Let me make that clear. Go ahead. Sorry, Buddha. Yeah, well, with Greeny, I'll take him aside because we all know he's nuts. You know, so uh, and then one minute, you know, like you can check, check back with him in two weeks from now, and he'll want everybody fired. Oh, you know, it so might happen. Then, so you know, yeah, I'm might happen. You him. never know. Yeah, it could happen even quicker than that. Yeah, I'm gonna take him out of the equation. But what I will say is, part of the reason why you hear a lot of the guys on the media or fans where, and I'm going to take Super Bowl out of it, but then you said you expect the Jets to make the playoffs, which they should now. So that kind of shows you that, you know, if if there's a craziness of them getting to the Super Bowl, then there's also a craziness of them not getting to the playoffs and doing something. And let's take the quarterback out of the mix. You know how I feel about him. I mean, God hope he turns into something. I sincerely doubt it. But if they can keep him under wraps and keep him doing like what he did last week, you know, not only just the defense, not only the fact that they got, listen, the Jets got some breaks this year. They got unbelievable things to go in their favor. But what happens now is look where they are. You have to look at where you are, where they are and where the league is. We thought coming into this season that this schedule was going to be murderous row. That has not turned out to be the case. So you have to take what you call it, a strike while the iron is hot. You have to take advantage of the opportunity because, in turn, life is always about balance. Next year, you might think, all right, the Jets have turned the corner, and then things pan out a little differently. So they have to kind of not really just get into the playoffs, especially with the league being down this year. They have to get in there and kind of win a game because that's where, you know, 
you don't get better without getting better, if that makes any sense. You understand right. what I'm saying? You have to show, you have to show have results. You have to get better. Right. You have to show results. So if they, you know, if they'll be better players next year if they end up, you know, having significant, meaningful moments. Let's say the quarterback who, like I said, I, I don't like him that much, or that's like even saying it mildly. Let's say he goes into the playoffs, they win a playoff game, and he makes one or two throws. Next year, I would expect him to be a better player than he is just based off of the experience. So, I mean, I don't think the fans are crazy. I mean, the Jets need to really, where they position themselves, Gordon, they need to get in there and win a game and get that pelt on the wall. You know, it's important for everybody, the coach, everybody. Well, look, I will say this, and Buddha, thanks for the phone call. Uh, I'm not discounting the chance that they could get in and, and win a game or go on a run or anything like that, but I think that that's going to, for, for me anyway, it's going to depend on where we're at when we get there, right? Like, who's the matchup? Where are the Jets at? How healthy are they? I mean, they lost two of their best players in the span of uh, of one week, right? I mean, they lose Vera Tucker and they lose Brees Hall uh, in one game. So, uh, you know, who knows what it's going to be like when you get there. So I'm just saying at this point right now, the landscape of the AFC, where the Jets are at, the, 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 the schedule moving forward, there's no reason why the Jets, after the, as, I mean, the longest playoff drought outside of the Sacramento Kings, the Jets have the longest playoff drought in North American professional sports of the Big Four. So you have to get in. Let's get in first, and then we'll, we'll kind of um, see where we're at at that. And, you know, just in terms of building uh, an organization, I think that's the first step, right, making the playoffs. But you do have to keep in mind, and this is not going to be the focus right now because you're, you're focused on the right now. But as we move forward off of this year, however it does end, for Joe Douglas, for the Jets, it becomes more difficult, right? Going from terrible to good is easier than it is to go from good to great, right? The Jets aren't going to be picking multiple times in the top 10 moving forward because you're going to, you have a better team. So it's going to be more difficult to, uh, to, uh, to move up the ladder from that point. That's not the focus right now, though. We're at week 10. Week ten. We're just. I'm just thankful. I'm not googling NFL mock drafts at this point. That 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 has happened before. Uh, James is in New Jersey. James, you're next up on the Gordon Damer show. Thanks for taking my call. Thanks for taking my call, Gordon. Uh, one of the uh, things that I wanted to ask you about, and the foundation of the Nets, um, they when they lost the three veteran bigs of Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin. And Lamarcus Aldridge, they never replaced that. And everybody knows that the road to the Eastern Conference Finals goes to the Milwaukee Bucks, who have four four bigs, you know, and Bobby Portis and uh, Serge Ibaka, Janias, and Brooke Lopez. And how do even if they keep Kyrie Irving or let him go, they have a new coach. How do they get bigger? Because if if it, because just resigning Nicholas was all they did. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't um, replace those bigs. They lost. And that was well, what I wanted I to mean, ask. In terms of getting bigger, the options to get bigger, it's not great, right? I mean, you don't really have. I mean, with all the moves that they've made here the last couple of years, and 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 you know the, the Harden move, both getting him and getting rid of him, and all the picks that they've lost along the way, and the ability to trade picks. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll see it when we get closer to uh, the trade deadline, but they don't have a whole lot of options to uh, improve the group. It's, it's going to be difficult to do so. 
But, you know, they do have KD, and sometimes the buyout market might play into that. We'll see. But that's got to get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of stability first before we start moving to that. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. More of your phone calls coming up. We're going to the baseball, the offseason, all lots to do as we take you up until 6. It's Gordon Damer. It's 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. There are reports now. The Bills, obviously the big game against the Vikings tomorrow. Bills are not elevating Matt Barkley from the practice squad. And reports are that that leaves the team with just two healthy quarterbacks, a sign that it looks like Josh Allen will start. He has been listed all week as questionable with an elbow sprain. So that line, which I think opened at eight or nine, then dropped down to like three at some point. I think it's probably going to go back up the other way. But uh, there you go. It looks like that uh, Josh Allen will uh, give it a go tomorrow. Bills and the Vikings. All right, let's squeeze in a couple more calls here. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Al in Holbrook. Al, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, how you doing, Gordon? Hey, how uh, Let's let you know. Big fan. I've uh, been following you you're for a while. Okay. You used to do mornings and everything. Thank you, my friend. Uh, you're one of the best, man. I am. Um, but I would like to say I disagree with you slightly okay. uh, on a statement you made earlier. You said it's okay. easier to go from bad to good than good to great. And I understand your point. Just I got a different perspective. I think it's okay. easier to go from good to great because at that point in time, and this, this, it goes back to – I'm a huge Jets fan. It goes back to the Jets. When you're good, you can attract free agents, you know, and you're still drafting in the first round. Maybe at the bottom of the first round, but you're, but you're drafting uh, you're drafting for best, best player opposed to a need. Also, when you're trying to get these free agents, what, what happens to the Jets? You know what they do? Us for left. Uh, you're, you're, we're losing you here, Al. I, I think I get your point that it, it's easier to attract free agents when you're a good team and you at least have some level of success. But, you know, I, I, just take a look at it. When you have a blank slate, you can kind of go whatever way you want. And the league is just designed for there to be a lot of turnover from year to year in terms of what teams are good. And when I say great, I mean the upper echelon. I mean championship game appearance in your conference, the AFC, NFC championship game appearances. It's a lot easier to, to, to have multiple draft picks year after year or high draft picks, top five, top seven, top ten, year after year, and take that from a, a two-win team to an eight-win team. It's a lot harder to go from that eight-win team to that 12-win team. Even though it's it's fewer wins, it's more difficult. Um, Spike is in St. Pete. Spike, you're next up on the Gordon Damer Show. Hey, Gordon. Bear with me today. I'm a little uh, – voice is a little weak. Uh, first of all, I got to tell you, you kid a lot about bringing people together. Yes. And I, I, I got to tell you, Buddha man, I, I hope he's listening. I just heard him. He's the salt of the earth. But I'll tell you, there's such nice people I've uh, – gathered, uh, but no more than, than Buddha. And a lot of that's because you were married. So I'll leave it at that. I hope he's smiling. Smile, big fella. Okay. Here's my comment on you and Larry, when I spoke the other night, came to, you agreed. You really agreed to me. By the way, I figured out the football thing finally. But look, they've tuned out Thibodeau. The last night's game was like getting a root canal. The first half was so slow. They're supposed to pull a 
put a team like that away early and often. RJ had a nice balanced game. At best, he's going to be a real good pro. Maybe an all-star game or two. I know you don't really react the way I did in Buddha. Julius Randle does nothing for this team. It's just he went back right into that quagmire of garbage playing again. I'm just hoping this. I think the trade deadline is December something, and I don't wish any ill will or bad injury, but if a scorer on a competitive team that's looking to get in needs to replace an 18, 20-point scorer, they take him and just take some future draft picks and whatever you got to do with the money. Because Larry and you said it, it was, or Larry said it, it was an indication that they they don't hear Thibodeau anymore. That game was terrible last night. If they didn't play Detroit... There's maybe one or two other teams. I don't think they'll beat OKC tomorrow, who's been playing really well. What do you say to that? Yeah, I, look, I think that the bad teams, and Spike, thanks for the phone call, I think the Knicks have proven that they can beat the bad teams. They're better than the bad teams. And and thanks to the draft this year, it seems like there's more bad teams, right? Like when you have that transcendent talent atop the draft, teams that are a little bit on the fence about tanking or not, they're going to tank because you get that transcendent talent. That's your best road to being a championship-level team. Uh, the, the Knicks have proven that they're better than the worst teams, but they've also proven that they're nowhere close to the really good teams. And I think that, you know, the, the offseason that they had, they're going to be, I think, slightly better. I like what I've seen from, from Brunson so far, and Brunson's been really good so far. He's, he's given you with what, you know, coming into the season, you thought maybe, ah, this might be a little difficult, you know, new team, new spot, you know, don't know what to expect, big contract, big expectations. Maybe he struggles a little bit. That has not been the case. He's been good. But the Knicks have proven that, you know, that 37-win team that they were last year, that was not a fluke. That was not an aberration. That's a lot closer to who they are. Now, you're hoping this year they'll be a little bit better than that. But they're not going to be a whole – they're not going to take some big, giant leap forward, and I don't think Tibbs is in any trouble at all, unless they have more performances like they did against Brooklyn. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Coming up, what I learned this week on TikTok. It is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. Now back to the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.